We ready? Shy, you just squeezed in the video there. No, no worries, we're starting now. <laughs> good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast and the Class. Breakfast and the Class is dedicated. It's celebration of the birth of their grandson, Robert Marcus, to Gabriella and Nathan Marcus, sponsored by Renata and Robert Marcus. Siman Tob, Umazal Tob, Mabruk. Uh, for the Rufuash Shalima, for Rahamim, Hai Ben Shoshana, and in celebration of the uh, engagement of Naomi to David, Mazaltov to the entire Shochet family uh, and their new consuegros, we wish them only the best. Okay, my friends, we look at the parasha and we see something very interesting. The Torah tells us that when God uh, had to hit reset on the world in the, in the story of the flood, there's one person that merits to be saved from this terrible catastrophe. And his name is Noach. But it doesn't tell us exactly why Noach gets or merits to be saved. What is it that Noach does that merits uh, his salvation? And the Torah starts off by telling us, Noach ish tzaddik, tamim he was a righteous man, he was innocent, he was pure, he was wholesome. Right? And you'd think, if you looked at the parasha, that that's the reason why. Ish tzaddik. Tamim, that's the reason why. But the commentators ask a very simple question. If that's what it takes to be saved, what about the many children that should have been alive at that time? They couldn't have done anything wrong. Right? A child is not, is not obligated in mitzvot. So he could only be in the positive column Right? The animals clearly hadn't done anything wrong, so, and they were destroyed as well. So it can't be that it's Noach Ish Tzaddik is what saved him, if you see that even people that weren't missing those terminologies, Tzaddik or Tamim, were also uh, washed away, so to speak, in the flood. And the Sifarim tell us, and the Orachayim writes as well, that the idea here is that Noah. We actually say it in Havdalah, right? We say it three times. Always bothered me. Why do we say it? Three times. You know, sometimes you come across these minhagim and you think, wow, this is such an interesting minhag. I wonder what the reason is. One time I was in a camp, Shifte Israel, one of my great memories back in the day. My good uh, friend over here, Shlomo Afif, uh, I think he was there as well a couple of times. It's actually his birthday today as well. Mabruka Mazalto was? Wife. Wife's birthday. Ishto Kigufo. His wife's birthday. Mabruka Mazalto. So I remember I was in camp and Rabbi, uh, Rabbi David Lopian, the grandson or the, the grandson of Rabbi Elia, son of a grandson of Rabbi Elia, came, to, came into the Beit Midrash and he was wearing slippers. And it was Rosh Chodesh Av. And I never saw someone do the minhagim of Avelut, of not wearing shoes already from Rosh Chodesh. You know, there's nine days, okay, you're not going to eat meat, fine. You know, there's certain things you're not going to do, fine. But to not wear shoes from the beginning of the, the, beginning of the month, I went to the rabbi, I was like, Yachome Rosh Chodesh, what, you're going to do it already from now? I said, why is the rabbi wearing uh, the, the slippers? He goes, well, he goes in his beautiful English accent, he's like, why do you think I'm wearing, right? Why do you think I'm wearing slippers? So I said to him, I don't know. Av, 
Maybe that's the reason. He goes, no, my feet hurt. <laughs> Sometimes you see him in Aga, you know, you don't know how it started. Maybe it was Hazan and he had a stutter. I don't know why it happened three times, right? But then I saw the Or Haim says that there's three mitzvot, three mitzvot that bring a person hand in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Grace to the point that God doesn't punish him. Which three mitzvot? We don't know. We don't know. Says Or Haim, doesn't tell us. Because if you knew which mitzvot those were, which mitzvot you're going to do? <laughs> you're going to double down on those three. So therefore it doesn't tell you. I read this Or Haim, I'm like, that's why! The Noach Matzachen, Noach Matzachen, Noach Matzachen three times, because there's three mitzvot that bring a person in the eyes of God. Isn't that a beautiful uh, connection? Now, my friends, listen to this, I think, sorry, that's mine. I got that myself. Like that one? Okay. So, I'm sure the Ora Haim is like, wow, I didn't think he was going to get that one. <laughs> right? But hey, listen to this, I think this is amazing. So nobody's going to tell us which mitzvot bring a person chen. And by the way, I always see this as well in the world. You have certain people that they just have a way about them. If they need a loan, if they need someone to trust them, if they need to get someone to do something in the synagogue, there's certain people in the community that you know you go to them, they're going to make something happen. You could say the same thing, you could talk to your blue in the face, you could make the meeting, you're not going to make shalom, you're not going to put them back together, you're not going to make the organization work, you're not going to help the rabbi marry off his daughter. But this guy, what does he have that I don't have? And the answer is, hen. So why don't I get it? And the answer is, because it's not always easy to figure out what it is that brings a person hen. So my friends, I remember reading this, and all of a sudden I read, um, in the name of uh, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Azka, Eliezer Askari, he's a student of the Arizal, and he writes, a way, this is the way that a person achieves chen. And I was like, this guy let the cat out of the bag here. The whole thing, the Ora Haim, they're not going to tell you how to do it, right? How is he letting, how is he telling us which, what the mitzvah is? And maybe when you see which mitzvah he says it is that brings a person chen, You'll understand. He says, you know what mitzvah it is that brings a person grace? Be'enei, like we say again in Abdallah, Be'enei Elohim ve'adam, in the eyes of man and in the eyes of God. He says, a person who is kovesh, who conquers his ability, or he conquers his proclivity to getting angry, receives in response, chen. I always thought it was interesting. I thought this one too, Mark. Ready? The Mishnah in Avot says about anger, a person should be noach liratzot. Right? Some people get very angry very quickly. They are hard to get angry and they are easy to, to placate. Some people are easy to get angry and hard to placate. Right? And the Mishnah says, what should a person be? A person should be kashelich os v'noach l'ratzot. V'noach l'ratzot. How beautiful is that? Okay? So this idea that if a person is, they work on their, on the midah of kaas, of anger, that person receives chen. Why, where do we see this in Noach himself? Noach literally means someone who is relaxed. Nach means 
to rest, to relax. Menucha, he doesn't get ed- edgy, doesn't get angry, doesn't scream, doesn't curse, doesn't yell. It's interesting, I also found that in all the time that we see Noach, Noach doesn't get upset. He doesn't get angry at Hashem that he's de- destroying the world. Noach doesn't even talk back to God. Right? Let's remember Moshe Rabbeinu? How come? Why are you getting angry, Hashem? Have mercy on the people. Noach, nothing. What should I do? Build a teva, 300 cubits? No problem. From gopher wood? What the heck is gopher wood? No problem, God. You got it. Okay. Three floors? Sure. No problem. What else? You know? Task rabbit, Yaani. Right? Sure. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Uh, I made the thing? Okay. Made thing. All the animals? Sure. Two of each kind? No problem. Right? How, what, what else? Seven dollars? Okay. Great. Nothing. Noach is unflappable. In fact, interestingly enough, in the Teva, we read about Noach, when he goes into the Teva, he feeds all the animals, and Noach comes out, Ach Noach. Mishael Ach Noach. Noach is, he comes out and he's injured from the Teva. Why is he injured? Chazal tell us that one day, of all of the times the guy is feeding all the animals on their own feeding schedule, every species needs to eat at a different time and a different uh, amount of regularity, right? And he's feeding all the animals, and he misses one feeding of the lion. Comes close to give the lion the echo. What happens? The lion swipes him. Bad customer service. <laughs> one star on Yelp, okay? Chalas. But again, we don't find the word from Noach. Look at me, I'm killing myself. Nothing, nothing, you don't find anything. Noach has the midah of being someone who's easy, who's comfortable, who's relaxed. And that is a tremendous source of receiving chen from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, receiving God's grace, God's forgiveness. He doesn't need to get angry at you because you don't get angry at anybody else. Once I saw that idea, I was like, oh, that's why Rabbi Azkari was allowed to give us this one, because how hard is it? How hard is it when someone pushes your buttons? How hard is it when someone, they know you don't like something? Sometimes a person has a nickname. They say, please don't call me that. You call him the nickname. Please don't call me that. Call him the nickname. Please. Eventually what happens? Lion swipes him. Goes Majnun. There's things that people, sometimes they're doing it on purpose to annoy you. Right? These things that get a person on edge. You, you know, you asked your wife, you asked your children, they disobey, so to speak, a direct order to your, your kids. You told them, please, I'm giving you the car, but please, you have to be back before this time. You know, I don't want you out late all night. You're having my car, here's my car, I'm trusting you. The kid, yes, thank you, daddy, thank you, thank you. What time they come back? Two in the morning. And the car, they smashed it into a truck. And they give you the thing, and they give you the keys, and they say, uh, Abba, I had the car, you know, uh, I smashed into a truck last night. I'm really sorry, uh, you know, but, but, but the, the main thing is that I'm okay. <laughs> Other possessions you could replace, and you're thinking daughters you could also replace. <laughs> Children you could also, no, chas v'shalom. But you get upset. It doesn't bother you that, that the car is ruined. It bothers you that they came too bad to two in the morning. It bothers you that you gave them and then they... 
right? You understand? It's not easy to not, for a person to not lose their temper. And to me, I think maybe the reason why he felt allowed to release the secret that this is one of the three mitzvot is because it's so difficult to do, to never get angry. Kol hakoes says the Gemara, ki ilu oved avodazara. What the, right? And it made me realize that when you see these lines, these ideas in Torah, you see how they connect, how they relate one to the other. Kol, what does it mean that it says, if I worshipped Avodah Zarah, because I got angry? The Gemara says, yes. Lo el zar, brings a pasuk. Don't bow down to a foreign god. Kol ha-ko'es, Kol kelim hamato A person who breaks things in his anger. He takes his plate, whatever he's got, throws it on the floor, knocks over the lamp, right? You broke something in your anger. Why? Because in that moment, there's only one thing you're serving. Your ego and your anger. That's the only thing. And by the way, in that, they call it the red mist of anger. You can't see anything. And I remember learning something from Rav Noach Weinberg, Zatzal, that I thought was so beautiful. Rav Noach Weinberg said, if you look in the Torah, the expression for anger is a very strange expression. Charon af. What does charon af mean? What does it have to do with the nose? It means literally the flaring of your nostrils. So you ever see someone get angry? The nostrils flare come out. The, eye, the eyebrows kind of furo go you know, into the eye. The person has this visage, okay, of just pure rage. So Rav Noach Weinberg asked, of all the descriptions to say that someone's angry, you're going to talk about his nostrils? Don't you flare your nostrils at me, young man. <laughs> right? Right? That's what you're telling me about? It's something that you don't even notice, Bill. Sorry? It's something you barely even notice. My friends, you hear that? That's the secret. It's something you barely even notice. What the Torah is teaching you by using that descriptive terminology for anger is that the worst part of anger is not what you see. It's what you don't notice. You lost your temper. You yelled at your daughter, at your son, at your wife. And then you apologize. And you're like, no, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to do that. Let me fix the thing that I broke. The obvious things are fixed. But the way a person feels when someone loses their temper, the way a person feels when you've said what you've said afterwards, you can't fix it. You can't undo it. You can't take it back. And that was the power of Noah. That because he couldn't, he never got angry. Even if Hashem was angry at the whole world. Even if Hashem regretted creating the world. Even if everyone deserves to be punished. And by the way, listen to this. The Gemara tells us that there's certain scenarios where if a person is in a situation of deen, the world is being judged, even a sadiq could get punished along with the rasha. That's why it's so terrible when you hear rabbis say, ah, people died in the Holocaust, they weren't so religious, that's why. You know how many kiddoshim passed? How many holy Jews? How many Jews that were uh, so pure, so learned, so uh, full of mitzvot karimon? What a terrible thing to say. 
Whenever I hear rabbis say that, I say, oh, and the Yeshiva Hebron massacre, that was for Reform Jews only? That was only Yeshiva boys and rabbis. This times when HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes, and even a Sadiq gets wrapped up in that punishment. For us to think we know the ways of God, Shema Yisrael. That's the biggest Avodah Zarah, because the only person you're serving by pretending you know God's ways is yourself by trying to make yourself into God. I know, I know what Hashem was thinking. Because <laughs> I studied Torah for six minutes. <laughs> right? The greatest Nivi, Moshe Rabbeinu, said he didn't understand Hashem. What a tragedy it is to hear someone say that, to hear someone say those words. So my friends, if that's the case, what saves Noach? What saves Noach? Can I give just an additional piece to this? We read an interesting line at the end of Pasha Bereshit. I don't know if you remembered it. Sometimes this Bereshit is so chock full, a lot of times you miss these things. The line says, And Hanoch died, and he was no longer. Because Hashem took him. What does it mean he took him? And the Gemara says that the reason why Hashem took Hanoch is because Hanoch was a perfect tzaddik. But Hashem took him before his time. Why? So he shouldn't mess up. Abraham Avinu, tzaddik, was supposed to live to 180. Hashem took him before his time, five years early, 175. Why? So he shouldn't see that his grandson, after doing the work that he did to change the whole world, he shouldn't see that his grandson is Esav. So if Hashem wants to take a Sadiq early to spare him from the punishment, he can do that. So if God pulled the Hanoch move, why didn't he pull the Noach move? You don't want Noach to see it? No problem. Take Noach early, have the Mabul start again, make another Adam Arishon from the post-flood apocalypse, start again. It's not that he's a tzaddik. It's noach matzachem be'enei amonai. This is a way a person has in their toolbox to be able to do something very special. And if anger is, is considered like a person who's worshipped, worshipping Avodah Zarah, what would the opposite of anger be? What would the opposite of anger be? It would be the highest form of serving God. Conquering kaas. Now, Nathan said something very clever before. The only thing you're fighting against, I said, in that moment, what are you serving, excuse me, when you're in a moment of kas, in a moment of pure, red-hot anger? Who are you serving? You're serving only your own ego. That means that in a certain sense, the war between a sadiq and a rasha, the war between a person who does the right thing in this world is not, can be boiled down to one thing. Do you serve yourself or do you serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu? It is fascinating to me to think that the very first word that God said in instructions to mankind, what is the very first word that God says? No. That is to one person. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. God says, there's only one I in this world. And it ain't you. It's me. That means 
that if the Vilna Gaon tells us that all of the Torah is summarized in Bereshit, all of the Torah is also summarized in the Luchot. And the same way it also was packed into the first word of Bereshit, it's also packed into the first word of the Aseret Adibrot. You know what everything is? Everything in the Torah can be summarized. Who is the I in your world? Is it you or is it Hashem? And that's really what Hillel means when he tells this convert, listen, you could join the Jewish people. You just have to be able to conquer one thing. Can you love your friend like yourself? What is he saying? Listen closely. Who, who's the most important being in your life? Could your friend achieve equality in your eyes with yourself? Or do you have to come first? If you could put yourself second in this world, that is the essence of all mitzvot. Second to God. Second to your wife. Second to your family. Second to a poor person who needs something. When you could instead spend your money on a luxury and he needs it for a necessity. Who do I spend it on? Does he come first? Or do I come first? My friends, that is the power of, of, of retaining your cost. And I want to share with you one last thing and I'll end with this. There was a great rabbi who had a pair of tefillin that he was inherited from his great-grandfather. It was a very special pair of tefillin. It was priceless. It was used by the great rabbis of all the generations before him, handed down his, his most prized possession. He would put it on only after going to the mikveh once or twice a year. It was literally, and they were very poor. And his wife would often ask him, can we sell the tefillin? I have this, uh, you know, we want to buy, you know, dresses for the kids. No, I can't, my tefillin, my grandfather's tefillin. Let's figure something else out. You know, maybe we should, we don't have so much food for Yom Tov. Maybe we should sell it. This is my grandfather's tefillin. Always years went by and he would never sell the tefillin. One year came Sukkot and no one in the town had an etrog. And there's a man coming through, and he says, I've got an etrog. And the guy says to him, listen, yeah, you know, uh, we don't have an etrog in the whole town. Could you sell it? He says, I traveled many hundreds of miles to procure this etrog. He goes, I wouldn't sell it. I mean, if, if, if you wanted to buy it, I mean, you'd have to pay me an absolute fortune. 50 uh, rubles, whatever the, the currency was. And the man immediately, what did he do? He went and took his tefillin to the richest man in town. He told me, you know how precious these tefillin are? I'm willing to sell them. I have to sell them today, 50 rubles. The guy says, 50 rubles for those tefillin? You got it. You asked me for more, I would have given you more. He gives him 50 rubles. The guy goes and buys the etrog, comes home, brings the etrog home, puts it in the thing. His wife walks in. She sees the etrog on the table. She says, one second. She opens the box. It's a beautiful etrog. No one has one. She says, if you got an etrog, right? She goes, just tell me one thing. You sold the tefillin, didn't you? He says, yes, I, I did. And he's ready to explain to her why it's a mitzvah, the whole community is going to benefit. It's the mitzvah of the day right now. He couldn't pass it over. She said, how many times did I ask you? And you always said no. And now when it came to this, now you're going to sell that. You sold it to Filin for etrog. She takes the etrog and in her anger, she bites a bite out of the etrog and spits it on the floor. Puts it on the table. The man looks at the etrog, he looks at his wife. He sits down, picks up the etrog, puts it in the box, closes it up, puts it on the cabin. His kids are looking at him. Had you not, had you not lose your temper? Had you not go crazy? You know, okay, she could be upset at you, but to ruin it, what did she gain from that? Etrog doesn't even taste good. 
And he said to them, listen to this. He said, kids, tefillin, the misvah of tefillin, I don't have. The misvah of etrog now, I also don't have. You want me to also lose the misvah of losing my temper? And get angry. His great-grandfather, the one whose tefillin he was wearing, appears to him in a dream on the night of the Hag. And he says to him, greater than any of the times that you put on the tefillin, greater than any of the mitzvot that you would have achieved with that etrog, greater than the zechut of the whole community shaking the lulav your, with your etrog, was the gift that you gave, the korban that you sacrificed, the chen that you achieved by not losing your temper. My friends, this thing, this kaas, it threatens to overwhelm us. And by the way, passive aggressive anger is the same. Sorry guys. It's the same as aggressive anger. What you really need to ask yourself is, as the anger comes in, ask yourself, is it worth it? Because if it's not worth it in that moment, you could control yourself. You could. It just has to be worth enough. Rav Noach used to say that a guy, you know, you tell a guy, I can't get out. I can't control myself. Rabbi, I was born with this anger. Someone says a word to me. I'm on fire. What do you want from my life? That's how I was made. Rav Noach Weimer used to say, what happens, you know, a guy bumps you in the back with the car. You get out of your car, right? You're ready to fight the guy, curse at the guy. As you get out of the car, Haddad gets out of his car. He's six foot nine, <laughs> 700 pounds. Look, in the camera, all they're going to see is my torso because that's how big the guy is. You only see up to here. And you look up at the guy like this. And the guy says to you, he says, do we have a problem? What do you say? No, no, problem. I was just getting out for some fresh air. I did a good walk. Father, why don't you have my car and I'll take an Uber home? Right? How did you all of a sudden control your uncontrollable anger? You don't want to get decked in the face. It's just not worth the price you're going to pay. The problem is that we don't often recognize the price we're going to pay for getting angry. Kharonaf, it's not noticeable. It's a little detail. It's something small that you lose in the story. But if a person does, then the merit and the reward is unimaginable. Baruch Adonai